0: This is the good, the baz, and the ugly. I'm the baz. Well, that, no, I'm baz. That sounds weird if I were going around calling myself the baz. Anyway, uh, look, this podcast is filled with uncensored interviews with experts in particular fields or real life stories from people who have inspiring personal tales to tell. It covers various topics and life stories that I've really dug, you know what I mean? And I think you'll dig them too. Just so you know, this podcast is for grown ups. It may contain adult themes, sexual references, and strong language. Fuck yeah! No, I just wanted to. She Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Hold uh, it now,
1: wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him.
0: What? The... What's his
1: name? Baz
0: Ashwami. It's not Baz Ashwami. It's Baz Ashmawi. Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly episode five. Look at me licking my paws right now. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about things. I never thought we'd get it this far, you know. I'm I'm that kid on a bike going, "Mummy, look at me." Are you watching, Mummy? You know, like no hands. I'm sailing. I'm going around giving people advice on podcasts now. I got episode five. We're flying. I'm I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Um. Episode five uh, is uh, obviously is, is called a uh, coffee in one hand, confidence in the other, because this episode, I don't usually do this. This episode is dedicated to my Jakey man. OK, my Jakey man uh, in our family. We have six, six. Yes, six. God, that's a lot. Six kids. In our family And Jakey is the one He's leaving school this year Doing his leaving cert Stressful times Exciting times Exciting Very 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 exciting And Jakey is uh, Has decided He wants to pursue something In the arts And uh, the knee jerk reaction is mm-hmm, I'm not going to make any money Doing that And oh my god It's very hard to You know Penetrate that industry And you know It's all luck And da da I want Jakey Not just Jakey Anyone out there Who wants to pursue anything That the masses see As dreaming you know, I wanted Jakey to hear an inspiring story. And I've always believed, uh, to a certain level with success in anything, you've got to have the coffee in one hand. It's hard work. No matter what you want to do, it's really hard work. You have to have a really good work ethic. And on the other hand, you need to have confidence. You need to have self-belief. You know, and I just wanted him hear, to hear the tale of, of someone like that. And and that someone, that someone is crystal clear. Crystal clear is An amazing DJ, right? Just, he's... Is that my phone ringing? That's Jakey ringing now. Jakey, I can't talk to you now. I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to hang up on (laughs) Jakey. That was Jakey. Um, Okay, listen. Crystal Clear is a legend. I I, I discovered him during lockdown, right? Love his music, right? Loved it. Brilliant. And then I discovered that Crystal Clear is Deck Lennon. Deck Lennon, an Irish guy. A Dublin guy, no less. And I got very excited. Like... Crystal Crystal clears path to being a, like a celebrated DJ and producer started way back in 2010 with the single Tried for Your Love which was picked up by BBC Radio 1's Benji B and then boom boom exploded exploded right it gained immediate attention from All City Records who signed the tune Sold Out immediately how you fixed sold out Nice, nice. Happy days days is right. Deck has shown time after time that his technical precision, his production skills, and his ability to connect with a crowd, flawless. Declan is based in New York, but he's also in Dublin as well, right? And he is flying around the world globally, everywhere from Miami to New York to the huge super clubs in Germany and Holland, everywhere. He's playing the biggest clubs in the world, the elite of the elite, right? Now, he wouldn't say it himself. He's, He's blown it up. He's had numerous hits, he's remixed with the likes of Groove Armada, Mark Ronson, Ellie Golding and even worked with chic legend Niall Rogers. What more do I need to say? This episode is about self-belief. I don't care if you're a young guy and you know, you're a student wanting to become a musician or you're a middle-aged woman and you want to write a screenplay. It doesn't matter. This is just about self-belief. This is my chat with Crystal Clear. So look, I suppose it's like it's it's funny even calling you Declan because I just think of crystal clear when yeah. I, when I think of it. And then when you walked in the door, first thing I thought was, "Shit, he's big. You're tall guy, <laughs> right? What are you six four? Yeah, six four. Uh, well, like on a good day, because people at home might know. But big, big, handsome. Big handsome man. I would not say handsome. I would say my def- Mahi I'm, over there is. I'm definitely Mahi's nodding <laughs> furiously, furiously. Um, sorry to objectify you by the the Muslim girl in the corner, but but um, but a big handsome guy, uh, very successful um, during lockdown. A set of 15kg dumbbells and your Monday moods oh, kind of sets that you were putting out. I think just got me through lockdown. Oh, wow. honestly, they were. Like my, I grew up with an Egyptian dad and lots oh, of nice. kind of boogie music, yeah. right? Because <laughs> he was from the seventies, and then all these tracks came out that you were playing, and I was like, "This shit is awesome." That and the fact that uh, I have a son who wants to what's the what's the college in Dublin? He wants yeah. to get BIM, right? Uh, uh, and he wants to he's doing his Leaving Cert this year. Next year he wants to go to BIM, and there's this kind of uh, mixture of feelings around it because. He's a very academic kid, right? And I'm listening to a lot of people telling him not to do it for those reasons. While I'm always a believer in, you know, he's a very assertive young guy. It's a very difficult uh, area to get into when you're creative. But, you know, his self-belief is good and that's a good start. And, you know, sometimes- Clearly his application's good too. sometimes You know, shit, man. Like, like if that's what he wants, if that's what his passion is, then I'm like, listen, you just, you just do it. You yeah. know, don't don't let money be the motivation for you to pursue something you want to do. Yeah. That's what you want to do, knowing how difficult it is to get into things. Like, to get to the level of of status that you've got to as a DJ
1: mm-hmm.
0: must take so much self belief, right? Mm-hmm. I can own and this is coming from a TV presenter, right? But but it must be up there with a professional footballer because there's so few people that that get to that level. Mm-hmm. And I'm just when I when I first came across you, I was like, oh yeah, cool. And I, I kinda hadn't heard of you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I was like, I really like this music he's playing and then I started looking into you and then I was like, shit, this guy is different level. Like really, like like a real unsung kind of Irish hero, like That's stuff. No, but truly, point, but but no. like you hear about like the script, and you hear about these other people, but get to to get to where you are. I was like, how have I not heard of this dude before? Yeah, and then I was just in. Then I was just like, I'm fascinated. So I don't even know where to begin with it. I suppose just just to go way way back. Just go back to say. School, yeah. Right? Was this it? Was this the plan? Was it, I'm going to be a Uh, world-class DJ or producer?
1: No, I think, like, beginning of school, no. Like, obviously, 12 or 13 was just all about getting a mooch at Wesley or something. But then, as I kind of grew up and started taking a fonder interest into the things that you basically do when you're 12, 13 to piss your parents off, which for me was listening to music that I knew they didn't like or you know, smoking soap bar behind the bike shed, just stuff. Yeah. And I think um, I always had, like, a pretty strong level of, like, OCD. Like, I not, like, to the extent of, like, John Nash, A Beautiful Mind, but, like, I would be obsessive about stuff. Like, if I was interested in something, I'd want to know a lot about it. And this is pre-internet kind of when age. So for me, music and learning about it and the subculture of it just became what I lived and breathed. So like, it's weird. I do say like to kind of place, like be interested in things that piss your parents off. But for the same token, like my dad had a background in pirate radio. My cousin was a huge influence on me. So if I like kind of put all of that into a cocktail between say my dad listening to stuff that in the car that I was fond of that eventually later down the line I discovered was maybe principal foundations of house music and mm. stuff like mm. that. And then what my cousin was putting me onto, to, which was, you know, Chemical Brothers and DJ Shadow and stuff like that. Yeah. It all kind of created this cocktail. And then you just add on top of it,
0: whatever you were, the five tracks you actually liked at Wesley. Cause you say Wesley, I, you say I'm 45 and they just, you're not in that ballpark, no. so what age are you? I'm 32. Okay, okay, yeah. okay.
1: But, like, I think Wesley was even going back as far as my mother's age, you know? No, the thing is, is that, like, yeah, it was a mixture of all those things. And I think I, I, I have a pretty wild imagination. And I think I just knew that when I was about 15 and started really, like, learning to make music, like, with drum machines and samplers. And the people that I had idolized were producers and DJs and guys and bands, and I just was like, do you know what, this is it. Like, this is it for me. Like, there really is nothing that makes me feel this way when I'm just walking around, listening to music. There's nothing else. Mm. Um, I, I was like, I wasn't really drinking and stuff when I was younger, like my mates were. So my teenage kicks, per se, mm. were definitely in, in that realm, the creative realm. I wasn't really getting it from boozing in a park, or I didn't, I gave up sport in school because I hated authority. So, I didn't like do the rugby thing, which was difficult for me because all my mates were rugby heads. But now, like, couldn't have been more beneficial, obviously. But at the time, yeah. So, my focus was just on what I loved. And I kind of figured early on, like, everyone else seems to be doing all this stuff that they're stressing about, that, I don't e- that they don't even know if they're going to like. I want to do commerce. I want to do best. I want to do all these things. And I was like, I know I like this. Like, I absolutely know I like this. There's no
0: mystery around it. So I'm gonna do it. Were were people trying to push you into something that, cause you go into a creative zone like music or uh, acting or the arts or anything like that. A lot of people would push you away from that. Were were people encouraging you or were they doing the opposite?
1: My dad liked that I was creative and my mom was a worrier. You put those two things together and yeah, of course, yeah, Declan's doing the music and it's great, but will it get a mortgage? Will the bank laugh when he walks in? And I think for me, and school, forget about it, like you want what you, you want to make elect you want to make music, get a grip, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. so I just I think a mixture of my ignorance, naivety, and rebellion at that point was what like pushed me further and further to kind of say, "No, no, like fuck that, you know what I mean i don't yeah. want to do medicine, i don't wanna sometimes
0: do I, 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 if I could bottle that naivety." <laughs> yeah. 'Cause there's a there's an overwhelming confidence that comes with being that age and yeah. think seeing the world through a prism where all possibilities are there. Mm-hmm. Like I, like it took me, say, I just wanted to act, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And it took me years to realise my mother had always told me I'm great and I can do anything. It took me years to realise that she was lying to me. <laughs> but she was at the same time filling me with this, you know, ethic of well, whatever you're going to have to do, you're going to have to work at it. Yeah. Like, were you working music at music? Totally. I think for me, um, inside
1: I knew that, I just knew that a part of me, as I've grown up, knew that like, it became my foundation. It wasn't initially. That you have to work hard to get what you want. And I'm a huge believer in the 10,000 hours theory. Like, massively. Absolutely, yeah. And I just think... For anyone that doesn't know the 10,000 hours. Hours, it's just very simple. you got to do... They say to be a master of a craft, you need to put 10,000 hours into said craft. And that can obviously be anything. Um, So for me, I was just like, right, better get started. I wasn't a particularly good looking guy when I was growing up. I was extremely overweight. So I had a lot of time my hands. Very, very, it's n- very hard
0: to imagine, I, honestly. Because <laughs> okay. people can't see you, you're an annoyingly handsome looking guy. I'm if this but, was on camera. But, <laughs> but, but really, I, I find that's yeah, mad.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, like I was really overweight, had pretty bad acne. And while all my other mates were kind of at Ormond Cinema mooching girls, I was in my bedroom learning how to use a microcork synth or something. Like, I wasn't a nerd, that has to be said. and. I had a great amount of confidence, perhaps for somebody physically that should have been like, he shouldn't really have that. But I think I just kind of felt like my older cousin was the epitome of cool. He was really giving me a lot. So the people I hung out with were relevant. Like they were all wearing Abercrombie and Fitch, watching the OC, I was like losers. Mm -hmm. Like I was, listening to DJ Shadow and wearing a Deftones hoodie, I was like, fuck these guys, they haven't a clue. Yeah. So for me, I was always on that principle of like, I'm, I'm getting direct from the source the best shit about the things that I'm interested in. Yeah. And then I'm OCD. So was that where I'm, you
0: were getting your validation then as well? Like, cause, cause... I wasn't
1: getting any validation. In, in fact, when I was trying to do what I was doing in, in my teen years, I was getting the opposite. Because I came from good background, you know, subcultures kind of rely on people that don't have a pot to piss in, and I did have one. So when I was going to Temple Bar and mixing it up with other graffiti writers or skaters or stuff, you kind of get slapped with the posh boy thing, and you kind of have to work your way into that network of people. You, and I found that I'm not going to be able to necessarily change my background or my accent. So for me, I was like, I may as well know everything about the shit that I'm interested in. So if anyone questions me on it, they're fucked. Mm -hmm. And that's still how I I kind of,
0: Live by. Are you Are you kind of biblic, biblically nerdy when it comes to music? Is it no? Because you you said you're OC. So are you? I'm a spoofer. I still don't know how I'm in the room.
1: <laughs> I, I, honest to
0: God, like sometimes I sit there,
1: like I'm in rooms with people, and I'm like, oh, if they had a fuck, if they knew. I remember there was a graffiti crew when I was growing up called Self Taught. I just felt that resonated with me because. I often find with something like in creative worlds, there's two kind of, there's kind of two types of people. There's like PE teachers. There's those who can like tell you lots about the sport, but don't really know how to play it. And then there's guys that can really do the sport. And then if you can kind of do somewhere in between, that's when you're really good at it.
0: And when I, when I started acting originally, I wasn't classically trained Yeah, and other people were. So they had craft that I didn't, I hadn't learned. But their natural ability, like you can train to be an accountant. Totally. And be a shit accountant. Hundred percent. While someone else just naturally is just it sees numbers and can just dissect it.
1: But as you were saying at the beginning, like if you could bottle that naivety, like I was smeared in that naivety. Your ignorance or your naivety when you're in a studio or with your paintbrush or whatever it is that you apply it to can lead to a result that the overthinking person will never reach. Mm. It's like that famous school art school ruined my art. Anyone I've met that went to art school all said it was beaten out of them. They walked in with wide eyes, open minds, and it was all narrowed because well that was done before you.
0: So where did you where did you head to straight after school? Like what, what, what did you did you go study music? Is
1: that I, what you did? No, like I got into a course in body firm that was. Pretty hard to get into. Again, naivety and ignorance is bliss. I had no idea how difficult it was. You might there might be like a thousand applicants and thirty get in. So it was kind of a tough thing. I took it extremely for granted. But when I left school, I was kind of really preoccupied because I decided to kind of I was playing high stakes poker at a very like professional level.
0: What type of stakes?
1: Um, anywhere between like ten and fifty grand on a Friday night. Holy
0: shit! Holy shit! (laughs) That's a lot for someone who's just coming out of school. You say that, but then like I had peer, like friends of mine who were no. Doing it up, is. Up. I'm telling you, <laughs> that is a that's a lot of dough, man.
1: Like yeah, I I said it, bef- you know, before we started. Like your disregard of money, but um, yeah, it was yeah. And if my mother and father knew the lengths, of it at the time they would have had a like. There was an article I think on in the paper, and they spoke about me in it, and that's when. I got discovered by my parents that this was a thing.
0: Because it's times. a very alpha trait. It's up there with, with you know, driving fast cars. It's 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 an aphrodite that other men look at and go, I wish I was that guy. It's that James Bond-esque.
1: I was far from, like,
0: wanting... were you still Were you still a big guy at that stage? Yeah, massive.
1: It only got worse. I'm 18 years old and I'm about 20-odd stone. Uh, still a back knee. Still only wearing predominantly like LRG, Mecca, Carl Kani because they only made triple XL. Wow. And uh, 44 waist. And you know, I didn't give a fuck. Like I really didn't. I mean, I wasn't getting laid and I knew all of that. And But at the end of the day, I was like, I still thought I knew what was cool. Yeah. And I was like, I could buy a brand new pair of Air Force Ones every week. Yeah. Uh, I had money coming out my arse. I was doing graph. I was in college with doing kind of music. I was cool, and at this time, like my OCD or whatever, I was like reading books and books and books on the human psyche and like tales. And I was getting really good at that. Mathematics was never my thing. Odds and that bullshit. I don't care for it. But like looking at somebody and immediately looking at the way their hands, their posture, their pose, the way they moved chips, the little intricate details that would. Be what my skill
0: set was. I, I just can't picture you at a poker table at that age, yeah. as well. Just dressed like Eminem yeah. sitting yeah. at the end of the table. Do you know what I mean? Would we'll just throw other people Heavy off D. these big gamers, right?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think they la- they used to just laugh at me more than throw it off. Really, I just was fascinated by the sport of it. I was good at it, mm. and it's cool to make money doing yeah. something like that at yeah. that age. So, and it was really popular at the time.
0: And you weren't drinking,
1: no. No, but then I, I moved to New York when I was first summer or whatever, when I was like 20. And I had no responsibilities and I wasn't with my mom or anything, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, fuck it, I might as well give this booze and thing a, lark, a, a crack. Yeah. And sure, look, listen, like the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> like then my, like between American food and booze, yeah, it was pretty wild,
0: yeah. You ended up in New York, were you based there or you just went for a summer? I went went for for a summer,
1: yeah. I I knew I was going to go to Manchester uh, for, I got into a really like, pretty prestigious course in Manchester in Salford, um, that like Johnny Marr from the Smiths curated and all this. I was in music and stuff and my my parents were still like battling a lot of what the fuck is our son doing. And I kept telling them like that I'm like working this thing out, like it's gonna, it's all gonna be, it's all gonna work out. But my mum being a warrior and my dad wanting a son that has a degree, they were like, would you just fucking go and get the backup plan? And to be fair to them, like I believe in a backup plan. Yeah. So I was like, right, I'll go. My cousin went, he had a great time. Um, so I decided to go to New York for a summer before.
0: So when did music, like, because you're a producer and a DJ, right? Which you, which you famous for?
1: I am not famous but I would be known I guess universally amongst like the five people that follow me as a DJ. Yeah.
0: You're very modest, right? Cuz I know <laughs> I know words like Groove Armada and Ellie Goulding and Mark Ronson and Yeah. Pet Shop Boys. So certain certain people think that you're very very good at what you do. So when did that start to elevate? When did that was there big bang moment. Was there there that moment? There was.
1: It was definitely like, uh, I spent a good few years post-school while doing the card thing, still heavily invested in music, working with labels and and working in record shops and stuff. I say work and I just mean like hanging out in record shops. And I wanted to reach Benji B at the time um, and still is, of course, like a very like, principal uh, curator on BBC and now he's gone on to work with Virgil Blow and and, and all that stuff But he was the guy if you could get played by Benji or Giles Peterson It was kind of one of those two and I just sent him a track I made in Manchester in my bedroom and He played it for 13 weeks or something
0: 13 weeks
1: yeah, it was something crazy like that. I don't want to get fact checked because no, that'd but be really he, no, embarrassing. No, no, but he must have. He <laughs> must have <weeks>. loved it. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: but he must have loved
1: it. He, yeah, he he ran a like pretty f- like a really important, real uh, integral club night in the London scene called Deviation, and it's it's he as he would say, it was a Deviation classic. So for me, that was the beginning, one hundred percent. Like from that that point on, everything kind of changed. Um, I was starting to get. To taste to things that I had early aspired to do, like hanging with peers that were actually playing your music and getting asked to play gigs that were on the gig list. You know, you wanted to play at that point, Plastic People or Plan B in London, or like in Dublin, you'd you'd have always wanted to play at Tripod, mm. um, and that started
0: to happen. Because deck, there'd be a lot of people, right, and I, and I hear it all the time. Uh, uh, Sometimes when it, there's a creative person who's successful, right? Mm-hmm. They, a lot of things, they were very lucky, right? Yeah. And I know there's a certain element to luck. Yeah. But what were you doing? Were you doing stuff differently to other people? Were you, were you more determined? Were you working? Did you have a strategy? Or were you just kind of consistent and relentless? Definitely relentless.
1: I'm relentless, though, in general. Like, luck doesn't make music good. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. It's not like you're going to listen to something and go, oh, fuck, thank God this sounds so lucky, I like it. Mm. It's not that, Mm. it's good music. either like it or you don't. I'm not saying I'm making good music, but Benji seemed to like it. And I guess that's the luck part in that story. I kind of always look at that Quincy Jones quote of like, if your ambitions are always higher, you'll never think you've gotten there. So for me, I was just always like, the Benji thing was amazing, but I hadn't gotten there yet. And even today i'm not there yet like i haven't even i'm not even close to my finish line mm-hmm. so that's why i'm constantly working at doing it there's a million people who are better at doing what i do
0: because what happens to a lot of people is a lot of people set a goal so we say that goal is to be played yeah. uh, in certain clubs around the world and 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 get that recognition once they hit that goal they don't have another goal yeah. so they plateau or maybe ego or arrogance gets the better of And them. complacency. And complacency. Which is a
1: very Irish trait. And I think it was something, I, I used to always, like, hear old, man, old mm-hmm. men in the boozers when watching Irish sport saying, oh, they're ahead now, so they're going to lose. And I used to always think about that, like, every time. And it was true. Mm-hmm. And I think, I was always like, that's fucking Ireland sometimes. Like, and it used to really piss me off. And I think... When I was in my early teens, or my, like 18, 19, whatever, sorry, my, my mates were all obsessing about DJing. It was very cool at the time. They were all playing in clubs. I kept to myself because I was like, you know what? If I aim for Ireland, that's all I'm going to fucking get. And I don't want to reach that point where I'm cool around town, but nobody knows what I'm doing outside of it. Mm.
0: What use is that? That's very mature. It, it, that's very mature to, or it's very ambitious. To think like that. Because what happens with a lot of people is they think certain things are unreachable. Yeah. Do you get me? Of course. What, what helped you see that far ahead, you know, to have that ambition? Or was well, that like, just something in you?
1: It might seem like, I'm not at the risk of sounding like a prick, like, but like, who are the people you look up to and where are they? Like, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not playing tripod on a Friday. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're there. So that's where you want to go. So... Let's get there. Like, why wouldn't you? If they can do it, surely you can. You can accept a loss if you've given it a go. There's nothing worse than what if.
0: Oh, yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. Because there's a feeling of sometimes, uh, especially when you're trying to break into something like that, of being ready. Yeah. Ready for your break. Were you ready when it came? No.
1: But, like, you don't know your break. And, like, again, like, I still don't think I've had my break. Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: you know... Say, like, were you... You must have known when, like, if you get played for 13 weeks consecutively like that, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's a big moment. Yeah, for sure.
1: I always laugh because my therapist would always say, you never, like, enjoy the fruits of your labour. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel like I've got the
0: fruits. That's very un-Irish thing to say about your therapist. Yeah. When did you start, is that a recent thing? Therapy or? Yeah, a, therapy. I don't know, I've been, I'd say about two,
1: three years. But I yeah. mean, I
0: think. It's great.
1: People, oh, yeah. people
0: have a very Irish attitude to it. Where but it's like so
1: stupid the way people look at therapy. Like you go to a personal trainer for your body, why mm. don't you go to a personal trainer for your mind? Absolutely. They're the exact same thing. Mm. It's literally, you go to a trainer so he can show you to use weights. You go to a therapist to show you how to use your emotions. Absolutely. So, I mean like. Yeah, I, I couldn't
0: encourage enough. When the, when that when that Manchester thing happened, right? Yeah. You're in Manchester and you start getting played all over the place. Mm-hmm. You, sti- you still, sorry, I'm not obsessing about this. I just, I'm in awe of the fact that you were ever anything other than what you look in front of me, right? Okay. So, yeah. were were you you still? Because you look like a bloody DJ to me. <laughs> if I went to a beat and I looked up, I just got caught i do not want to look like those cur- guys. Of cur- course cur- <laughs> cur- 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 <laughs> he fucking looks like that. You know, yeah. is what I'd be thinking. I With- don't look like a stag. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but would you, was was that at any stage playing on your mind?
1: Not really. Like, I mean, I, 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 I went to uni in the UK. And for anyone that doesn't know, it is exactly like you see on TV, on Hollyoaks, on whatever. Like, it's just one-quit shots. Birds and lads everywhere going mental, drink drugs, mm. all the above. It's brilliant. And I think, like, at that age, I was Irish in Manchester, which is, like... Golden ticket. Yeah. So my weight didn't bother me. I was, you know, obviously hooking up with girls in uni because of my accent and perhaps the fact that I was doing something that was a little bit cool. You're cool, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like maybe, I don't know. Like it, there was a lot cooler people than me, but I, I found my niche. And then I guess I, yeah, I, I, I reached a point where it was my last year at uni. My weight was still horrendous, but like I had like a cool haircut and my acne had gone. So I was like a little bit there. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Still wearing LRG. And then I was living with a girl at the time uh, who I really liked and I knew she didn't like me. You know, when you just know. But you know, when you haven't said it. That's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it was crap. It was terrible. Yeah. But I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like, much more than Benji, and like, listen, if Benji's listening, like, that was amazing, don't (laughs) get me wrong, and I appreciate it, I owe you, but like, there's no question about it, like, that girl was the spark that changed a lot of things. How, why? Because I really liked her. First, like, big crush situation, and I knew she didn't like me, and she left, went back to the States, and a made of mine disclosed. But you say didn't like you. She obviously liked you, but but you mean in a We were mates. I was the cuddly best friend. I was the exact thing you don't want to be as a guy when you're hanging out with a girl you like. Oh, yeah. I was the, the GBF. You know, I was the guy that she'd tell me about guys that she fancied. And you're just going, fuck with the ground, just eat me. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. And eat her too. <laughs> So we'll both be stuck together under the ground. And it's just us. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I think she she fecked off back to the States. And my best mate at the time was, like, uh, listen, harsh. I don't mean to hurt your feelings here, bro. But she had told me, like, straight up, if you if she said... I believe the phrase was, she was hammered and was, like, if he wasn't so fat... I, He's quite good looking. If he wasn't so fat, I'd probably give him a shot. And I was like, what? Hold on. My weight is the reason why I'm not getting things that I really want. Because I'm like massive, hopeless, romantic. You know, a woman in my life means 10 times more than any money or success. Really? Oh, 100%. You can't take that shit with you. That's very sweet. You're never going to get the answers to the theories that you really want to know. Money's going to come and go. If you're lucky, your health will do good. If it isn't, it is what it is but like find someone you love more than yourself and then you'll survive you'll get you'll cope through a lot of it yeah. you know i think that's the real self actualization the other stuff is nonsense and it's,
0: it's i think as well it's the fact that someone someone can get to know you I always say this about my missus, and still fucking like me. Yeah. Do you get me? Like, yes. It's too exhausting to go through all of that exactly. and show all your flaws and let someone completely know you and still think you're all right. Do you get me? But then again, like, for me it's like, how much better is
1: music when you're listening to it with somebody else? Hmm. And I, you know, me being like, uh, I, I learned this so uh, the hard way, but the last three or four years of my life I spent virtually on my own DJing. And, and like my mates are like, man that's mental, you were here and there in the weekend. I'm like, yeah, I was there by myself. There's moments that I don't think memories are the same unless you've shared them with somebody else. And that's why I believe like, nothing better than to share it with the other person you love and care about. Yeah. But um, yeah, she said that to my friend and I realized that that was like a big restriction on my happiness and I was like, fuck that, right? And it was like, watch this now. I'm gonna not only lose all the weight, I'm gonna make her regret the day that she said anything like this about me kind of thing. And I kind of cracked on, and that was that really.
0: So she went off to America you decided or oh, i'm going to make some life changes
1: yeah hired a trainer and went down that route, route for about 6 months and thanks to thanks to her like i owe her massively because i needed that
0: i can imagine i can kind of picture your personality and your confidence and you had all that wit weight yeah right so where was the unhappiness you just weren't you you didn't feel you were the Man, best like, version of you is it that It's just looking in the mirror and just thinking, I look crap, man.
1: Like I hate the way I look. And like when you lose weight, nobody nobody prepares you for body dysmorphia, which happens. You lose weight and suddenly now you start to see other things you didn't notice before. And then you wanna get big and jacked, and then you wanna have a six pack or whatever it is that you're into.
0: It's tough. When did when did your world become when did you start to think to yourself, I know you, you don't have that prospect of, you've reached where you want to get to yet, and that's, that's understandable, mm-hmm. but when did you kind of stop and pause and go, look around a room that you're in and think, shit, I'm, I'm- I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right here, this is, this, mm. me. Like, and it wasn't mental at the time, but I remember being at the Emmys and looking over and, 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 and Michael Douglas was kind of sc- chatting away to my mum. I remember going, this is fucking weird. This, I, I, I could recognise that this is a weird moment for the memory bank. Yeah. Was there a, a stage where you were looking around and you saw maybe other famous people that you were mixing I with? Did,
1: I did, okay, yeah, alright. Well, there was definitely a, a three-day situation in 2013 that was pretty mental. Um, there's this club in Germany, it's pretty, pretty renowned, it's called Burgoyne. And for most DJs, it's like the Champions League final to play there, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, I had my debut there, but my mate Scream rang me up about the week before and was like, you know, mate, I got asked to get you on board We're to DJ Kate Moss's 40th. And I was like, oh man, I can't do it, I'm fucking playing Burgoy. And He goes, oh no mate, it's on a Tuesday. Burgoyne starts on a Sunday and kind of ends on a Monday. So I was like, fuck, I could actually make this happen. So I flew from Berlin straight to London. Six hours later, I'm stood in a room with like Kate Moss, like
0: and everything, everyone. everything that comes, with came off. You just private party, her yeah. private
1: fortieth. I'm DJing with my mate, um, like back at our hotel room for an after party on carriages for like seven in the morning. Like sat with Noel Gallagher drinking beers, just talking shite.
0: See, that's what I'm talking about, Declan. That <laughs> there, there are those moments I was mentioning that yeah, that are kind of. But that's not like that's nothing to do. Like that's cool. That's
1: fun. Like that's a great whatever.
0: See, but, you, you got to think what. This is the difference between the illusion and the reality, right? Exactly, right? Is is and I I know this firsthand that that people see your see someone's life and they think, wow, that must be amazing, right? And yeah. they see the illusion of it when the reality is much different. Is very different. Yeah, it's so, what is the reality of being a DJ who's playing a club like that in Germany and then arrives over to do Kate Moss's fourth year? Like, what is your what is your day to day life like? Well, it's not
1: going every weekend to Kate Moss's. (laughs) I wish it fucking was. Um, And you're right, like the illusion thing is true because you might say, like, that's a great example, but like it's not because they're not there for me. Nobody in that fucking room really knew what I was doing. I was just a guy at a party like anyone else. I wasn't fecking one of the Geldofs. I wasn't bloody Harry Styles. I was just there with. my Irish ignorance roaming around a hotel suite. You're very modest,
0: but if you walk into a club in Germany, they're coming to see Crystal okay. Clear up on the decks. Well, right, so yeah, they're, they're coming solely for you. So, in in that scenario, like, I suppose, it's, I, I can, the only thing you can compare it to is, say, a stand-up comedian on a world tour, Okay, right? You're playing to venues, maybe big venues, 5,000, 8,000, 10,000 people, right? Yeah and you're in a room every night and you're Yeah. right? Are you partying along with it? Because that's what the perception would be, that you're you're raving it up and you're partying nonstop. Is that the lifestyle you're living? There was,
1: like there's been kind of, in my opinion, two stages of my career. One was when things started to go bananas. At that, like Kate Moss time, 2012, 2013, things were like the bananas button got pressed hard. Mm. And I was DJing two or three countries a week. It's kind of natural when you're, That age and all of this is happening to just develop like a banana's ego, Mm. and you're young still. Like you, I was 25, and like sleepless nights were easy. That stuff was fine, but that's really detrimental, and you don't know it at the time. It's hindsight that teaches you that lesson. So to make a comparative between where I'm at now with my career, yeah, it's weird because it's a lot more intense. There's 10 times more travel. the gigs are a lot better, a lot sweeter. The money's definitely better, but, but uh,
0: this is yeah. gonna sound really crass. But I'm j- I just uh, for for a DJ mm-hmm. at at playing a huge club. Are you a resident DJ? No, no. So you you they just hire you in for certain gigs. You just get booked
1: like a comedian would in a gig. Yeah. 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 So yeah.
0: what type of money is it to 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 book a DJ at, at your depen- level?
1: It kind of depends. Like it depends. You know, like some places are, you could get. It's on, it really depends, man. It's how long's a piece of string. Like you're not gonna get a hundred grand to play a club to 200 people. Yeah. Mind you, I've never been paid a hundred grand to do a gig either.
0: What's the most you've ever been paid to play a gig?
1: Um. No,
0: not, not gonna answer that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's, I love it. That's okay. It's a lot of fucking money though, right? Is it more than you imagined when you were younger? Um, Well, yeah, no, like, it's definitely, listen,
1: it's definitely more money than I'd imagined. But for the same token, like, as I kind of explained throughout this, like, money doesn't enter my realm in the decision-making process. If a massive company is trying to, like, underscore me, fuck that, do you know what I mean? Get what you deserve. I say that to anyone. It's just the principle, compassionate business, everyone should leave the table happy.
0: Absolutely. Do you know what strikes me about you, just from chatting to you, is that you didn't fall in love with the illusion of, being a world-class DJ and producer, you fell in love with be, like really succeeding in that industry and making great music. Yeah. While other people sometimes, it's the trappings of that world that they fall in love with, yeah. rather than...
1: That stuff doesn't interest me at all. You're dead right. Like the, stu- the For me, the tangible stuff is what I care about. To be able to look at a piece of paper and know that I did those records this year and that they were moderately successful or they sounded the way that i wanted them to sound or my certain peer group were listening to them and talking about them and they opened doors for me in other worlds that's Hmm. much more to me than the good time stuff and it's annoying because i do look back at some moments in my life i'm like i really didn't party as hard then as i should have that's important too there's no question like it's just about finding that finite balance between like not letting your ambitions get the better of you, and then letting them totally run riot with you.
0: Because I imagine a lot of people who would be lucky enough to get themselves in that situation that you were in, Mm. you'd burn out pretty fast, right, wouldn't you? Like, I've burnt out a few times. So, like, how do you, like, you seem to me like someone who'd be quite professional Maybe I'm just meeting you today and you're coming across like that. Yeah. But, but what's your relationship with doing gigs and working now? Are you, you pick and choose which ones you're gonna have it enjoy and maybe have an extra day at or party at? Or is it, is it just to keep yourself going? Or like? Pre-corona,
1: like it was very much, the last like three years, like we're, were very much, make hay while well, the sun shines. I, I had a really big track three years ago. Um, and I'm a good DJ. And I think having a big track and being a good DJ, you're kind of, you have an opportunity. Mm. And I was like, fuck that, I'm gonna make the most of this. I'd just been dumped. I needed to like put all this energy into something. Um, So it was pretty mental. And But now post COVID, everyone, everyone's had a chance of reflection or not even post, but I'm kind of thinking like, yeah, now it's time to maybe be a bit more selective because the way my, like people were telling me at Christmas, they're like, man, I just saw a soulless Vessel walking around at Christmas. I mean I did t- 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 12 countries in 14 days uh, And that's back and forth from America twice at the beginning of December
0: That's wild,
1: man. Like we're talking like finishing a rave in Manchester straight in a car down to Gatwick flying to Miami Playing in Miami once at 11 p.m. And then again at 11 a.m. Are you
0: in a posse of
1: other DJs? Or are you I'm like, by myself the whole time. Now yes, you get to the gigs
0: and there is peers of yours there but, but then, then like, they're all heading off to different places and you're all doing different gigs. You're not on no, a circuit, are you? No, there's a bit of circuit involved, but then like they're all on different energy levels to you. Sure. And like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah.
1: it doesn't always align. Um, but that's like when you're doing that stuff on reflection, you're just like, this is ridiculous. Like this is obscene. And mm. I'm 32, granted, not like old, but I'm not young. Mm. So uh, that's the young man's sport now and for me I think it's about trying to find a bigger balance And what I want to do creatively is totally different to that world anyway
0: Tell me this, yeah. how, do you, how do
1: you fight off self-doubt? I don't, it comes weekly Self-doubt is, um, is cancer, it's in you forever, straight up I think there's people in this world who defeat self-doubt with just an obscene amount of positivity An amount that I don't think Irish people will ever obtain. I think cynicism is just in our bloodline. And I think that's great. It's an awesome quality. And I think that part of me has got me into the room with people or whatever. It's a little bit like asking, like, who's to say it's not good what you're doing? Really and truthfully, who's to say it's not good? I mean, tons of shit is rising to the top. So maybe something that you're doing might rise too. I always, you know, I surround myself with people that at least not only will they give me an honest stroke of the brush, they'll also keep me in a good place with what I'm trying to achieve,
0: you know? They peers in the industry or?
1: Yeah, or friends. Like I think the people you hang out with are a big factor towards where you're gonna go in your life. I try to surround myself with people who will encourage me to wanna be the best that I can be. And if I decide to do something that is a little bit off the beaten track, they're not gonna like take the piss out of it or make me feel stupid for doing so. I think, for the most part, like surround yourself with the right people, and then the self-doubt can at least be kind of neutralised.
0: Because sometimes that we, I, I have said this a lot, like, but but sometimes if you if you hang around with stupid people, they can make you stupid, and no. if you hang around with with clever people, you know, or kind people, they they make you better. And mm. um, now, obviously, we all have that friend who's just negative and you accept that. Yeah. I suppose, are are you your own person in the sense that, do you rely on other people for, for parts of your happiness or?
1: I used to a lot, like, I felt that like, especially like, my career took a massive lull in like 2015 and I burnt a lot of bridges leading up to that point because I was an arrogant fuck. It just happens, you become a dickhead. And I burnt a few bridges but got back with an ex and I just felt like that's all I needed. And I was getting constantly affirma- you know, affirmation from my missus and stuff. Um, and so with when she broke up with me and I kind of was thrown into another deep end as such, it made me realize that codependency on anything is quite unhealthy. You need to have your own belief in what you are as an individual. As hard as that might be, and self-love is a term that's thrown around so loosely as if it's as easy as buying a no, Mars bar. Yeah. You know, in the last three years, I'm still trying to get to that point. Like, I know you say I'm being modest, but I don't believe that I'm a handsome guy and I don't believe I'm in good shape. I work really hard to maybe hopefully reach that point where I will feel that way, but I don't believe that.
0: I think that's a lot to do with, obviously, a deep, psychological view of yourself.
1: Yeah, it's Maybe. fat boy syndrome. Yeah, 100%. like
0: it, it seems to be like that. Out of 10, Mahi. You're under <laughs> a lot, I tell you. You're under a lot of pressure here. Mahi, Mahi, Mahi's, <laughs> Mahi's, Mahi's <laughs> waving way all her fingers. Um, but that's only, that's only aesthetic, right? That's only yeah, aesthetic. That is, yeah. I suppose,
1: like. You can't I, rely on people, I don't think, to make you happy. I just think if you go down that route, then you're going to be constantly disappointed. I'll tell you that from experience. I put a lot of faith in others to bring happiness to my table. And then naturally they don't. They've got their own shit to deal with and lives to get on with. I realised then like you kind of have to, do your own, create your own path, and rely on yourself. And at least then the only person you can give a bollocking about it to is yourself.
0: Because mm. I remember someone, it's funny, you, you said something earlier on, it just triggered something with me. I remember someone asking me before, you know, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would it be? Yeah. And I was like getting humbled. Oh, for, man. Getting humbled, man. Yes. Especially when you've reached that level where you think, I'm the, I'm the shit. Yeah. I'm the shit right now, I've got everything I want. I, I've, I've done it. I deserved it. You know, totally not. And then it, it's taken or you lose your footing slightly. Getting I think humbled slightly. I think I'd be, I'd know more about that than I would music. At
1: one point, so like, you know, just, a, just to give you a brief setting the scene, like 2015, things couldn't seemingly like be going better. You know, I'm getting paid great bread, school, gigs, good parties, got a good name in that whole circle, whatever. 2017, and you know, misses and all that. 2017, no agent, no manager, nobody really wanted to book me, no label really wanting to lease my, release my music. And I said, you know what, fuck this. I've got a missus that I love. I'm just gonna move to New York and be with her. Be happy, fuck this nonsense. And then she dumps me. And then I, I have to move to New York. I signed a lease, I put a deposit on my place. I'm like, what? I was on that plane, but I say, like going, what am I doing? How has this happened? Like how? That really, really put things into perspective. So, how did you come back out of that then? Well, I spent like naturally, I spent the first like six months in New York just drinking myself silly because yeah. I'm now in the city that my fucking ex lived, and that was a nightmare. But I reached a point where I was at a bar with a mate of mine, and he just turned to me and was like, "Listen, man, you're a mess." He's like, "You're a fucking mess." And God bless him, like he 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 was like, "I'm gonna get you know uh, send you a couple of books, some stuff to read, and it's on like some spiritual stuff and yeah. visualization and absolutely." If Visualisation is fucking brilliant, right? Yeah, massive. But if you had told me this a year before, I would have told you, like, you know, fuck off. Go buy a hemp hoodie. Mm. But when I got to that point, <laughs> when I got to that point, I was rock bottom. And I believe, like, in terms of the humbling thing, yeah. rock bottom is where you'll make the change. Nowhere else. You have to hit it. And when you do, it's when you start to look at things outside of your ego and I started to look into like visualization, positivity, just half glass more half full than half empty, making the best, understanding that everything's happening for a reason. I read like about visualization stuff. So, you know, simple principle for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, it's kind of like you ultimately create a visual mood board or a goal spreadsheet perhaps of what you want to achieve. And you live your life like that is gonna happen. Like there's no left or right that's the way it's going. Yeah, And I put five things on a piece of paper. Uh, and I guess the number one thing was to have the biggest track of the year and everyone was gonna play it. And I wrote that down in October of 2017. Uh, yeah. And then 2017, and by May 2018, it was the biggest song in the
0: world. That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. My
0: my mum, I'd come out of being unemployed and I'd lost my job doing radio and TV. And I had this idea for a TV show with Nancy. And my mum only showed me after, when we came back from the Emmys. She had visualised it all. She had written down that we would win three awards. That's this was before I'd, I'd even anything had happened. This was just when I was chatting to Sky and people like that. And ever since then, it's an amazing tool. It sounds so... It sounds so hairy-fairy that Massive, you yeah. can put out into the universe what's going to happen. Yeah. If you were to give someone yeah. ingredients for success, mm-hmm. right, and I know... I haven't fucking, achieved Yes, success. I know the okay. you're going to tell me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my eyes, you're doing great, right? Okay. To, what, what ingredients, what, what would you tell them? What are the things that the focus on?
1: I think the number one thing I would say is that don't take your eyes off what it is that you love. Like, there'll be a lot of stuff that you'll notice as, like, okay, I can only speak from my own experience. And my experience is in the realm of, say, music or in the creative paradigm. If you start to allow what's happening on your left and your right, it will stop you from going straight. Focus on the thing that you love, that you really want, that you want to be, that you want to do. Don't let what anyone else around you affect that. Whether it's good or bad, just don't, because it's blinkers with the horse and all that kind of stuff, you know, that theory, like yeah, yeah horses will go faster and straighter, if they, whatever. If you allow what's happening left or right to affect you, it will take you off course, and to the point that you may never come back. I've seen it happen, mm-hmm. you know? I think that would be like the number one thing.
0: There's a certain level of self-validation as well, right? Where you, yeah. you, you have to know to a certain percentage, because a lot of people go, do you like this? Yeah. Do you like this? And if I ask 10 different people, do you like this podcast I do with Crystal Clear? Do you like it? Yeah. I'll, I'll get 10 different answers. Exactly. So sometimes there has to be an essence of me sitting here now going, I really like this.
1: But here's a better way of looking at it. Let's not say you use a podcast an hmm. example. Hmm. Let's say, do you think surfing is cool? Yeah. You think surfing is cool, brilliant. Would it bother you to tell people that you like surfing if you were good or bad at it? Hmm. So if you're at a table with 10 people, doesn't fucking matter what surfing you can do, you know surfing's cool and you do it. I surf and I know about surfing and I'm into surfing. So the other nine people at this table, it really doesn't matter how good or bad at it I am, I just know it's cool. No one can argue that with Mm -hmm. me. So it's a bit like this podcast, doing a podcast, it's fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Whether my one is interesting or not, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You do a podcast, that's fucking cool. And I think that's, the way I, like, allowed myself to shelter any notions of what I was doing might be bananas. Like, my music, being good or bad, kind of fucking irrelevant. I'm making dance music, so, mm. that's that. That kind of way, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose there's
0: this, there's this thing as well of, uh, uh, and I, I always get it, and I kind of have to pull myself aside and talk to myself in the mirror a bit. I do this a lot, right, where I talk to myself quite loudly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but it's, there's a famous Christy Moore quote, which is, be very careful getting paid for something you love because it soon becomes a job, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and every now and then, it, 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 what I what I do, and I'm sure what you do, just sometimes you must be standing somewhere going, "Oh, fucking oh no, it this, is! A, this, this, this is the job. Oh, you're it on is a now. job." Yeah. So, wh- do you still get the love? Do you still are you still able to inject love into it?
1: Yeah, of course. Like, listen, like music is an emotive thing. So, like, without sounding like. Bono. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it is, like, when you're making music, there's frequencies proven scientifically that if you hit them at the right spot, they'll make you feel a certain way.
0: Yeah.
1: And that never goes. And again, like, when you're making music, it can often be like um, completing a crossword puzzle. There's a level of satisfaction in it. But there's also times when I'm DJing and I'm maybe playing a gig that, and I say this with no disrespect because I'm very fortunate to be doing this, when maybe I'm playing in a room of a student town in England, and their chief concern is getting mad out of it, mm. you do feel a disconnect. I'm 32, mm. I'm not getting mad out of it. Mm. I get it, I am into. I'm, I respect mm. it, I'm mm. all for it, I encourage it, mm. but you feel a disconnect. And sometimes that can kind of feel like, I'm unslept, I was in Stockholm last night, I'm playing here in Cardiff, and then tomorrow I'm flying straight away at 7am to fucking Belarus and I'm only getting three hours kip this is a bit of a pain in the
0: hole. When, when I first started looking you up, um, I found a really interesting article, I think it was in the Irish Times, and it yep. was you talking about mental health, mm-hmm. and straight away I was like, wow, it's really interesting to hear someone who, I suppose a lot of people would dismiss opinions of, of people who are highly successful in the music industry and their mental health problems, but, but I thought it was really interesting. What, what is, what's your take on all that?
1: Yeah, um, Yeah, the Irish Times article was brilliant. Um, and I have to, for what it's worth, shout out Una Malali because at that time there was a lot of, and you know obviously people would argue still like anxiety or, or mental health is still, it's still regarded as a buzzword and not a problem. You know, mm-hmm. like it's still to some people regarded as, ah, oh, fuck's sake, would they ever just take a chill pill kind of thing? The thing is, I think what people underestimate, I'm not a, is it Generation Z or Xer or, you know? What uh, are you, Generation Z, 31? I'm, You're a millennial, I, aren't I, you? I'm 33. Am I a millennial? Born oh. in 87? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So I'm a, a millennial, I guess. Mm. Um, the thing is, I think, you know, I had this conversation with my mother recently. Um, I think, people maybe an older generation are kind of blissfully unaware that your insecurities are being broadcasted to you every hour of the day in the world right now. But you're looking at your phone and you're either seeing a gal player that's getting an opportunity to play for dubs that you didn't get. You're either seeing a doctor save a life and yesterday you didn't. You're either seeing a DJ get the gig that you should have got or they all have a better looking bird than you. Or a bird. Mm. and all of these things are making you feel a certain way right so let's let's use that as one part of the equation then multiply that by the actuality of your circumstances because as somebody said to me recently um, anxiety is your mind telling you a conspiracy theory about yourself
0: mm. brilliant
1: brilliant yeah very, very I know.
0: good way of putting it
1: I wish I coined <laughs> um, so there's the, there's the conspiracy theories that are happening then there's the actuality of what's happening and then you realising that oh man like I'm not getting gigs though and I'm not making money from this really and the music stuff isn't really kind of working out and you add that to these two things right and depression will swarm in boom like a fucking tidal wave yeah and I think then right so now we've got this plus that multiplied by the taboo of mental health the taboo of it especially in Ireland Mm. Love Ireland, proudest punch to be from here. I tell anyone, so maybe the first sentence that comes out of my mouth when somebody wants to know something about me. But talking about your feelings, pfft, do you know mm. what I mean? A little bit, It's fucked up, but that's how it was growing up. And the toxic masculinity or whatever, whatever, you put all of these things together into a stew and your mind is going around in circles going, why am I
0: on this planet? Do you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking to myself that It must be really hard to be a certain generation right now. Oh man, horrendous. Especially DJs who would look up to you, who just have walls put up in front of them, right, regarding like the club scene, say, in Dublin, for example. Like, Mm. this is their moment and... Yeah. Yeah, the problem is bigger than, say, our generation's
1: ambitions. It's the fact that the government doesn't respect their aspirations. So as musicians you mean as anything as anything remotely creative like I can take a handful examples and I'm one of them I left Ireland because this country had nothing Absolutely nothing to help me try and get from A to B absolutely nothing. There was no uh, uh, There was no funding put in place. There was no project centers There was nothing to say you're good at a creative field. Let's harness your uh, your 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 craft and your intent and direct it the right way. Guys like Ben Cleary wins an Oscar for the best short. Designers like Simone Rasha. You could say myself to an extent. Yeah. We all ha- left this country because nothing was here for us to do what we wanted to do. But when we've made the money and the awards and the bits and the bobs and it's all oh, we're fucking showered and praise and how great and it's like. Fuck you. How dare you? But
0: you haven't made it in Ireland until you leave Ireland. Isn't that the...
1: But isn't that
0: bullshit? Yeah.
1: Because the thing is, is that like, it's not about making it in Ireland, where where I'm coming from, because that would be contradictory to everything else we spoke about. Mm, It's not about that. This is about 18-year-old kids who are 19-year-olds, or even guys who are adapting to it a bit later, 20s, whatever, who have an interest in the creative arts
0: You're talking about my Jake right now. It's all I'm thinking in my head, right? Because he's this young guy that leaving school. But Jake
1: is in a good position because there's BIM, right? Yeah. So, okay. So just to get some clarity to those who are listening, when I was doing my thing, BIM wasn't really around. And I know from people like, who are friends with the Fontaines DC guys and Myrtle Capital guys, BIM is a great, it seems to be an incredible place for harnessing young talent. Amazing. But that's not what's like. That's a couple of years in a place where there is resources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you finish in college, when you finish doing those things, then what? You know, you're 21. You've done three years in BIM. You're then what? Where are the studio buildings in Ireland? Where are the project council stuff? Where's the the the, the tangible things to help people get their way? And then on a bigger spectrum, specifically about what I do, where are the nightclubs in Dublin? Gone. Absolutely gone. The government has decimated the, the the opportunity for homegrown culture to stay within the country and blossom outward as opposed to going somewhere else and then taking credit for it. Uh, but I mean, like with your, with your son, um, I think now is a great time for him to go about doing something in the arts despite everything I've said because there's a lot more awareness in especially in society and respect for the arts. Like 10 years ago, Banksy wasn't famous and David Guetta wasn't David Guetta. My mum knows who Banksy is. She knows who David Guetta is. Mm. And it made her understanding of like mate's like Maser, like and my, my gig, it gave her an understanding, not that she ever disrespected them, but she understood that there was not only an economy financially, but personally to a world of people And I think that understanding in society wasn't there a long time ago. So for your son, whether or not the institutions are put in place for him to become a DJ, or a trad singer, or a guitarist in a band, there's places like BIM and stuff, and there's a society of understanding that at least coerce him in the right direction.
0: It's really good to hear you say that, you know that, because I'll tell you what it is. I had so many people throughout my life, especially when you want to do something creative, tell me don't do it and laugh me out of it. So where it ended up, I'm sitting in an estate, sitting on a wall on my own. But I was one of those people that just was like, I'm gonna fucking do it anyway, Yeah. right? And and sometimes it just takes one person to believe in you, but sometimes you don't even have one person. And in his world, I just know the quiet mood of everyone around him kind of going, this is a risky move for you. While I'm like, if you love it, if you love it that much, and you're that bright as you are, you know what you're doing. The thing is, is that like,
1: whatever your son decides to do now, it's important that he does what's really inside his heart because there will come a point in time, successful or not, where he'll start to make decisions because of rationale and not because of passion. Sure and I think harness it so that he goes entirely with his passion now. So he doesn't live with regrets. I have more friends of mine and if they didn't follow their passion, they went down the wrong road, which was the road that they didn't want to go down. Mm -hmm. They went down what they thought society should tell them to do. And they became alcoholics or they became habitual drug users because it's like getting over a girl that never existed.
0: I just think it's the wrong path is to when you're that age is to make a choice purely based on I think I'll make the most money doing this worst decision you'd ever do right it, it can't be the right choice to ever do that ever
1: ever I, man I, look the, fo- the irony of certain questions in this interview interview podcast conversation yeah. sorry is that I could have made decisions that would have made me a household name it doesn't mean that the product I was selling was good or and it certainly wouldn't have been the product I love but like, I've been given offers and opportunities that were bananas, ridiculous, but they weren't what I was into. They weren't what I was about. And I wouldn't have been able to suffer the lack of integrity that came with them. I would have lived my life thinking, I've become the monkey with the drum kit. I've become the person I didn't want to be. And that's because I decided that those six figures at that bottom of that page was more important. Yeah. Because I go to bed knowing that no matter what happens, I'll always be able to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I'm proud of what I'm doing. Like, I am proud of what I'm doing. I'm proud of what I've achieved. Um, the person who becomes my wife, I'll always be proud to, to share that with her and what have you. And I think that's worth
0: more than any money, mm. 100%. Man, I'm I think that's the best item I'm ever gonna get. Listen, the, <laughs> the, the, the mildly successful and very average looking, <laughs> Declan Lennon, thanks a million, man. It was an absolute pleasure. To sorry, I, I
1: hugged
0: the mic. No, listen, I loved it. I loved it. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. I could speak to Declan for hours. Look, there's a big difference between dreaming and confidence. With confidence, your feet are very firmly planted on the floor. It's a work ethic. It's a focus. And then... There'll always be doubters. There'll always be people telling you what you can't do. That's just life. That that really is. And yeah, you're going to fail. I can guarantee you that. The only thing is, I personally in my life have always learned much more from failing than I ever have from succeeding. Just do do what your heart wants you to do. And then later on in life, things will happen. And, you know, like Declan said, having a backup plan is a great thing. And if you have a creative in your family it's important to be a positive mentor for those people to give encouragement but if you are that person if you are that person who wants to exceed find like-minded people have a map know where you want to go it makes a big difference you know and and to a certain extent fake it till you make it <laughs> i tell you that as a as someone who works in an industry where Sometimes you have to do that. You have to arrive like you're supposed to be there. Do you know what I mean by that? I hope whatever you do, whatever you want to do, just just do it. Just go out there and do it and believe in yourself. Sometimes you just need to prove it to yourself. That's all it is, you know. And once you've proven something to yourself, however small or however big it is, that will give you confidence. And that's the seed to start everything growing inside of you. Nice. nice, thank you. Preach. preach, baby, preach, preach, preach. Um, as always, if you like the podcast, yeah, you could just subscribe, uh, follow. You could leave a little comment, send me a little note, or you can send me a note on my social media. You can always get me at we we have this argument every week. B Ashmawi at B Ashmawi or Bashmawi because it's B A S H or whatever B-A-S-H-M-A-W-Y right you get me on Insta get me on Facebook get me on Twitter whatever you like yeah send me a message love to hear from you you know love to hear from you and that's pretty much it for this week what am I going to say I don't know I've said it all good luck in the cup